What's up, Winning at Home Partners? Thank you so much for joining me for this part two on the Parenting Grace and Truth. If you were a part of last month's Home Run Club, you know I shared a little series, the beginning of a series on parenting and talking about the important things God expects of us. And now in this particular message, part two of this Parenting with Grace and Truth series, I'm going to focus on what I think we as parents do in the areas of struggle and and some areas where I've failed. Wish I had a chance to do some of these over, but hopefully you can learn from my mistakes. And then secondly, there's something called just being relatable to your children. I think too often as parents, we talk to our children and we think they're supposed to understand the way we think and and our age, but they're not. Part of parenting is relating to your children where they are. And in this message, I'm going to give you some tips and ideas on that. Thank you again for partnering with us. Hope you enjoy part two of Parenting with Grace and Truth. Here we go. As you know, last week we talked about two simple thoughts. Our goal as parents, biblically, from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, to teach our children, teach our children to love the Lord God, and secondly, to be fearless followers ourselves. And I told you last week, I'm going to go into a lot of detail of what it means today to be practical and to teach your children about the Lord. It is so important that your children have the ability to see in the way you parent that you get the words of these pages into your life and then communicate that by the way you live to your children. That's it. Take the Bible, infiltrate it into your own life, pour it out, and let them see you living for Jesus. My grandpa, uh, my dad sitting here on the front row today, his dad was my best example of that. I used to tell him he was my living Bible. He would sit. I can remember seeing him sit in his house reading the Bible. He never read it to me. He read it himself over and over and over. He would, he would circle the number of times he's written it, right in his Bible, the number of times he'd written, uh, read through it. And my grandpa had the ability just in ordinary life to bring that stuff out in just the way he lived and make it contagious. Now, there's a difference in parenting when Jesus, the way somebody is contagious versus turn you off from it. Some of you grew up in a home where the way the Lord and Jesus was presented to you turned you off. You're like, I I don't really want that. That's not the way Jesus lived. When Jesus went somewhere, multitudes followed him. So our example is Jesus. And my goal today is to show you how to get the words up off the pages and into just the way you live, that you connect God's word to the lives of your children. Because you can't just say to them, go memorize this. That's not going to work. You want them to watch your life and go, man, I want some of that. And so today what I'm going to do is show you a way that Jane and I sought to do that in our house. We have been followers of the Lord uh, from our childhood. We were raised in the church. And yet there were times for both of us where the church seemed pretty distant. And then I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I I watched all these parents raise their children. And, you know, I would see incredibly conservative parents and incredibly liberal parents, parents who would let their kids do anything and parents who would let their kids do a thing at all. And then I watched, and the kids from both kind of families, some of them didn't turn out so good, and some of them turned out great. And I'm like, okay, it's not a specific parenting style that I need to imitate. In the book that we gave you last week, it talks about parenting styles. You can read what your type is. But I found myself going, okay, when I'm done with parenting, when I'm 80, 
what will I want my children to have learned from my life? And again, I haven't done it perfectly. You're gonna, today, you're going to see a list of my biggest ten mistakes. But before I share that list with you, I want to tell you that what Jane and I sought to do was go, okay, what can we do in our home to build some guidelines and some foundations that we just say are going to be true? What do we want our children to grasp? Some biblical concepts that we're going to say to them, these are the guidelines of our home. So what we did was we talked to some parents who we loved their example and that sort of thing. And I said to Jane, okay, we're going to take some guidelines they say. And I want you to pray about it and I want to pray about it. And then together we're going to come up with some basic rules. Not a ton of them because kids, you know, you don't have a house. For all it is about rules because all of a sudden your parenting is nothing but truth. And we've got to balance truth with grace, the Old Testament with the New Testament. And so that's the goal as a parent is to go, what could I come up with that could be foundational, but it's not overwhelming? And this is what Jane and I ended up with. We call it Mom and Dad's Rules of the Home. And when our children were little, Alan was probably seven when we started this. That would have put Josh at four, Chrissy at two, and Anna wasn't even born. So before our youngest was even born, we had these guidelines. So I remember Jane and I, we put them on a little placard, put some pictures on it to make it cutesy. And so we had this at our house. It still sits at our house. I took this off a shelf at our house to bring it here today. And my children are adult kids now. But these were the things we stood by. And when they were little, we would get it out and we would say to them, hey, guys, here's some of the rules of our home. This is on page 17 of the book if you don't want to read about this later, how we did this. And so we had these little guidelines for our home. And, and I want to give you an example of one of them. For example, um, we had a guideline set, abide by the morals we established for this home. You don't have to follow these. These were something Jane and I established for our home. You can do it however you want to do it. But have something, and here's why. Because your children will not always be two, three, and four. They turn teenage. And when they're teenage, they might not like your rules. When they're two, you can say to them, that's the rule. You may not like it, but that's the rule. And I can still hold you down and tell you that's the rule. 16, you can't hold them down. They hold you down. So you got to have some foundational things that you go. And here's what Jane and I said. These are the rules of our homes, kids. Now, a lot of parents worry about their kids leaving home. What are we going to do if we get in this situation? One of the things this did for us is say to our children, if you don't want to live by these guidelines and rules then you can't live in our house. And we're not kicking you out. You're kicking yourself out. You're saying, I don't want to follow these guidelines and rules. And that happened. We had a child who said, I don't want to do that. I'm not following. I don't like those rules. Okay, then you're choosing to not live here. And that's what happened. But I want to take that full circle to tell you, I remember that same child Came home, and I remember we were, sitting in my, we were standing in my, living, in my kitchen, I should say, one day, and nobody else was home but me and the child, and, and I simply said, why'd you come back? This is literally what happened. W the child went over and grabbed this thing off the mantle and walked back over and said, well, this right here. I knew that if I came back to this house, it was safe for me. I, I, I want to show you something. That child grew up in this house with all these left because didn't like them, and then came back because of them. Which tells me children like barriers and walls around their life. There may be a period of time where they don't. 
Because all of you have children, I, I, I say to parents all the time, there is going to come a stage in life where your child's brain just, just it could be a day, it could be a few years, their brain just kind of, it just kind of rolls out. It just kind of falls out. It's just down there on the floor, just kind of moving around. And during that period, you just have to stay true to who you are, what you stand for, et cetera. You don't get to decide. I mean, I always said Dennis Rodman was an example. Somebody just went out and it just never came back. But by and large, they jump back in, and they begin to mature and grow. In fact, statistics and all the information from psychologists and clinicians tell us at 29, the frontal lobe finishes developing. The 29. So if you have a child and they're not 29 and they say things, you go, that doesn't make any sense. That's normal. That's why, as I've said to you before, teenagers get on, at 16, they get on top of cars and go, go faster. This is just 50. Keep going. Because the frontal lobe doesn't work. They don't see, oh, this can't hurt me. And at 50, you're up there going, stop, slow down. This is five miles an hour. You know, you, you get it. You get that rolling off could kill you, but not at 16. Nothing hurts at 16. Because your frontal lobe, missing. <laughs> and as parents, you got to parent through the frontal lobe period. And getting foundational things in the life of your children is critical. And now I want to tell you that the next little five minutes is probably the most critical five minutes of my message. In just a minute, I'm going to show you my top ten mistakes. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about what parents are missing with their children. And I call it being relatable. I can have all the guidelines and rules that I want plastered all over my house and in my car and around everything and all over the kids' ceilings. But if I don't make it relatable to their life, it won't connect. And I want to talk to you about some steps to relatability. No matter the age of your children, listen to me, even if your children in their 20s and 30s are they're two years old, listen to the next five minutes. You've got to make sure, first of all, as the adult, you understand it is your responsibility to relate to their age, not their responsibility to come to your age. So the first thing you got to do to be relatable to your children is this. you got to totally set aside your world and the way you think for a moment. If you want your kids to get the concepts you're trying to teach them, you have to, and I'll just do it visually for you, go down to whatever level they are. It requires you going, okay, I can't think like a 40-year-old. I've got to relate to them at the age they are. I have a grandson, Jackson, Chrissy's little boy. He's four and a half. You always put that half in there, you know. For how old are you, Jackson? Four and a half. If I want to relate to him, like Jackson a while back, he picked up a naughty word at the playground, and he's dropping this word at Grandma and Grandpa's house. <laughs> well, we got to talk about you can't use that. That's a pretty big bomb you're just popping around here dropping out. So we need to talk about it. And the way to do that is go, Jackson, you will not. The way you do it, look, look you get down, and you get a Hot Wheels in your hand. And you get down to his level, and you drop little Hot Wheels, and I say things like, you know, Jackson, that Grandma and Papa's, we don't, we don't, oh, look how fast that car is. We don't use that word. Why, Papa? It's kind of a cool word. I know it's kind of a cool word, but not to Grandma. And we need to work on, say it, because it's a People, like if you said that out there sometimes, it'd be like if Papa said, you know, I'd pick some word. Papa said that. You'd be I don't like that, Papa. You do it. Well, people don't like that. So you just got to learn we don't do that, okay? We just got to work at that. Now, he may do it again. 
But, but if I come down with the Word of God, I'll tell you what the Word of God says. Word of God says you say a word like that, you're going straight to hell. That's not going to connect. He's going to be like, holy crap, Grandpa. I don't get this. That ain't, ain't going to work. And lots of parents do it that way. That's called legalism. It won't connect. What connects is going down to their level and talk to them about Why? And in, in Ephesians, the Bible says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, that's a big word, unwholesome. You don't understand that word, but what it means is just little things that can hurt people's feelings. Like, if I said to Grandma right now, you're, and I said a word, it's going to hurt her feelings. We don't do that. That gets down at their level. You can't just stand up there and yell. You got to get on their level. And that requires you going, okay, I'm 50, he's four. Go where he's at. I want to visually illustrate this for you. So I'm watching. Uh, let, let me give you point number two. You got to envision yourself in their life. You, you got to go to their life. Be 10 again. Be in middle school and connect with what they're feeling. And I want to tell you how this happened for me. Um, so a while back, I'm looking at my door at my house in my little neighborhood, and I keep seeing all the kids riding this thing. It's called a ripstick. And I'm looking out going, I want to ride that. That looks really fun. And, and, and I stand in my house watching it, and I said to Jane, she said, what do you want for Christmas? I said, I want a ripstick. And she's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's that thing those kids are riding out there. And she's like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, I really want one. And, and it started with me going, I want to do that. I want to ride one of those things. Well, well, if I want to do it, just like today, what I'm sharing with you, I want you to connect with your children at their level. If you want to do that, then you've got to take a step toward it. You can't just sit the rest of your life going, no, that's a good concept. No, you've got to want to do it. So I, I kept looking at that ripstick, and then, and then sure enough, on Christmas morning, I opened my thing up, and Jane had me one. The kids, of course, are like, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I, I see all the kids riding. So I began to envision myself riding it. Now, I didn't ride it the first time. The first time I stood on it, I didn't ride this thing. It took me a while to get to a place where I could actually get it going, and then, and then I kept working at it, and then, and then I got good enough that literally sometimes the neighborhood kids come over the house, hey, and knock on the door and say to Jane, can Mr. Seaborn play? Yeah, because I, I got good enough to be like one of the kids, and so I got this thing figured out, and now I have fun with it. I have, I have moms come out. When I do the neighborhood, they'll come outside and clap for me. Why? Because I wanted to do it. And that's what you've got to do. If you want to connect with your children, you've got to get on and try. And I'm not telling you you won't fall off a few times. I'm not telling you you won't have some blunders. But I just want to use this concept right here. The little children in my neighborhood, okay, when I ride with them, they think I'm like one of them. I, I can say stuff to them, and they're like, he's good. If a, another guy my age walked out, they'd be like, that dude, he's near death. But me, I'm in because I relate to them. They, they're like, he gets it. And that's the concept you want to have with your children. You want them to go, Dad, he gets 
that those things, those kinds, those things, they're big old, huge, audacious goals that are out there, but he knows how to bring them like down to the Hot Wheels track. And that's what you got to do as a parent. You got to get to their level. Listen, parents, don't expect 10-year-olds to understand 40-year-old concepts. Not going to happen. And your role model of this is a guy who would go sit at a well by a lady and say, um, you, you know, you are a Samaritan, and we aren't really supposed to connect, but let me relate to your life a second. How you been? Men didn't even speak to her, but Jesus did. Your role model of doing this is Jesus. He related to people you weren't even supposed to relate to. He was Martin Luther King before Martin Luther King. Jesus connected with people on the other side. And sometimes as a parent, your children feel like they're on the other side. And you've got to go over there. You've got to talk to them. And now I transition to telling you how I didn't always do this. My daughter's sitting here. My other one may be here somewhere today. And my kids can stand right here and tell you dad didn't do it perfect. They, they would have to say that I loved them like crazy. I, I never dropped the ball with loving them. But I wasn't always a perfect example. And my dad's sitting right here this morning, and I'm going to say some things related to my dad. Love him to death. He loves me to death. But it wasn't always easy. Because life is life. I, I thought this week as I was preparing, and now I'm about to share these ten things with you, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be interesting if we could take a second and, like, show a video of your last two weeks of things that were said in your house. Like, all of a sudden, your head popped up on the screen right there, and the things that you said attributed to you came, out, came along the bottom of the screen. Some of you would be like, hey, babe, we better get going. I mean, I mean it, <laughs> there's some crazy stuff goes on in our houses. And I'm going to bring mine out today. I'm doing this for the sake of hoping you will go, I don't want to mess up like Dan did. I'm hoping my failures can turn some of yours into successes. And so I'm going to give you what I call Seaborn's top 10. Top 10 mistakes I feel I've made along the way of parenting. And I'm going to kind of count them down. I'm going to start with number 10 and count down to number 1. So the first one is this. I believe that too many times in my own life, sometimes I parented based on my child and teen mistakes. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. So my dad sitting here was a very conservative parent and was very much a guy who you will follow the letter of the law. That's the way he parented. It's who my dad is. So as a, I got to a place where I had all my own children, what did I do? I overreacted to that, and I said, I'm not going to be the conservative, legalistic. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to give way more freedom. Kids, you can have way more freedom than I had. Well, first of all, they didn't grow up in Dad's house, so they don't understand what went on there. Sometimes I say to my children, well, you don't know what it's like for me as a kid. And they should have looked at me and said, right. I'm thinking I'm saying something really brilliant, and they're probably just thinking, what? The only house they know is my house. And if in my house I'm overreacting to the way I was parented, then I'm going to set a poor example because I'm going to go the other way. And there are some things I should have said no to that I didn't say no to because I was overreacting 
to what I grew up with. And I wanted my children not to have to know some of the things I'd been through. And in the meantime, in the process of doing that, I just set them up to probably now say, I'm not doing it that way. They're going to swing back to the other side. And here's what I would say to you as a parent. You're a single parent, parent with a couple, whatever you are. If you want to know, like, like here's what I'd say to you. Some of the people you hang out with a lot, like you're friends with them, Sometime when the kids aren't around, they're in bed or they're away from the house, whatever, say to your friend, hey, do you see me kind of going too far in a couple of areas of parenting? Like if you, like when you're driving away from and you're going home, do you ever have in your mind, boy, I tell you what, I have my children, I'm not going to do it that way. What is that you're thinking about when you feel that way? Because I don't see it sometimes about myself. I probably got some areas I err to. Help me see it. And if you're willing to be teachable there, it might be something that would be good for your children to learn from other people who are watching your life. A second thing, another mistake that I think I made is um, I forgot who was the adult in the room. Uh, let, let me just walk back because I, I had a son named Alan who was a very hard-headed, strong-willed, he's right kind of kid. He's 32 now, so we're fine. But when he was a teenager, me and him could go at it. He was right, and I darn sure I was right. And so we'd get frustrated at each other, and we'd be hollering at each other, and he'd raise his voice, right? I mean, he'd raise his voice. I'm raising my I can match it. I can go a little higher. And he'd say, I go higher than that. Well, I can match that. It's just a yell. I mean, he just looks silly. Frustrated each other. And I remember once Jane coming to me after one of those scenarios. We, we were done with it, and it was over. And I was just in the house by myself, and she came in, and she goes, Babe, and I was like, what? She goes, it was really hard to tell who the adult was. I thought, what do you mean? She goes, well, you're, you're the parent, but you didn't look like a parent. You were louder and you were yelling and you're just losing it. And so I said, okay, all right. Well, I'm not going to do that. I said, I'm going to get control. And so here's what I said to her. What we're going to do is the next time Al and I are doing that, we're going at it, whatever, I just want you to walk up and I want you to put your hand on my shoulder and I want you to say this. I said, I want you to literally look at me and say, Dan, Go to your room. That's what we said. We agreed on it. I said, this is what we're going to do. I got to get control of myself. Well, this happened. I remember Alan and I were going at it, and she walked up to me, and I mean, it was humiliating, frustrating. I saw her coming. I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, here she comes. <laughs> and she put her hand on me, and she said, Dan, you need to go to your room. You know what Alan's doing? He's like, oh, papa oh, boo You know, I'm walking away like, I'd like to, you know, you know couple of verses coming to mind they weren't very good ones and and, and it's frustrating but I, I remember going to my room and sitting in there feeling like my capillaries are going to explode I was so angry but thinking I got to get control because if, if I expect him to have control in his life I've got to model it for him and this was breaking a chain by the way in my family because we were a long line of yellers and I I mean, Jane, I just, I just don't yell. Of course, our children are at home. I just don't yell like I used to. I have way more control. I'm looking at my wife hoping for a yes nod. But I, I just don't yell like I used to. I have way more control. And watch this. Listen. My role model, he always had control. Y'all know. Y'all read enough scripture to know sometimes when people walked up to Jesus and said things to him. You realize he was the God of the universe. He could have just backhanded them and flipped them, right? Just watch, hey, disciples, watch this. Flip, flip them right there. That would have been what I'd have done. 
But my role model would just look at those people and answer something in such control. And you know they're like, how does he have this kind of control? Because the Holy Spirit was in charge of his life. Your children need to see that you have control. Because if you don't, what's this? You do number eight on this list, you say stupid stuff. When you're out of control, you know what rolls off your tongue? Words that shouldn't roll off your tongue. Serious. You say things, and let me just tell you something as a parent. You can have 25 compliments. You're great. Good job at school. Hey, proud of you. Then this and that. So good. One, one loser, one loser will be the one thing they remember. They won't remember the 25,000 compliments. They'll, hear, they'll remember you saying, you loser. You say, how do you know that? I know that. My father sitting right here will have absolutely no memory of this, but I remember him saying one time to my mom when he was frustrated at me, he said, I wish Dan would have never been born. He doesn't even remember saying it. I do. I remember it. Haunted me for a long, long time. I know he doesn't mean that. And I'm, it's forgiven. It's good. It's all good. He loves me to death. Got it. But I, won't ever, I, I can still tell you where I was laying in the bed. I can show you where I was at. And I'm telling you today, parents, listen to me. Your words have power. And when you say them to your children, they, they remember them. <laughs> Chrissy, I'm a, I'm a, Chrissy, it just comes to my mind. She's got a little two-year-old, Naya. Naya is something else. And Chrissy was with her at the doctor just this week. And the doctor said, how's your daughter doing? And Chrissy said, she's a little diva. She just said that, okay? And Naya went, I am not a diva like that, you know? She doesn't even know what a diva is, but she's not one. <laughs> but even as a two-year-old, she gets it. And I want to tell you that those things are remembered. And I, I challenge you. Here, here's a great challenge for you. What's the word that you need to take off your tongue that you say to your children? You just need to get it out of your vocabulary. You need to remove it as far as the east is from the west. Because remember, there's the Bible says, there's let no unwholesome thing <laughs> I think somebody's ready for lunch. Let no unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. Well, unwholesome thing would be like like can I just say to you dads in here, okay? L- let me let me just let me just make it real easy. It, moms too, I, I get it. I'm just going I'm dad, so I'll relate to dads. Any dads in here, when you really lose it, you drop the F bomb with your kids. All I want to ask is when you're 80. And your kids are standing by your grave or your little urn or whatever that is they put you in. Whatever it is, are you going to be like, you know, do, you want to put, do you want to put on the side of it, hey, the F man? I don't think so. That's not what you want to be remembered for. Hey, my kids are so proud of me because I dropped the F bomb a lot. No. Today's your day to get rid of it. Today's your day to set a better example. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So Dan, where is that in Scripture? I just quoted it to you. I just don't think Jesus walked around looking at his disciples. Hey, what the? I just don't think he did it. So let's learn from that. And especially when we're angry, if it just rolls out of us, eliminate those words. So practical. So relevant. So much our world. And I'm asking you, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, who say we want to live at another level, Let's take our lives to another level. Number seven, um, we make the mistake of making sure our kid have all the stuff we never did. We spoil them. 
We do. I mean, sometimes those of us who are older, I, I've, I've been. I, if you go into a restaurant, you'll see them sitting talking about millennials. Oh, these millennials. And I go, well, we're the one who raised them. Really, we need to be having a conversation about ourselves. What have we done? We've, we've given them too much. We've set them up too much. It's kind of, let's don't blame the millennials. They just happen to grow up in the homes where we handed them everything. And let's continue to work at making sure we teach our children's responsibility. And that comes at all ages. There are some kids who get it just like that. There are others. It takes a long time. It's a process. And that's where you have to have God's wisdom to, again, relate to them. Number six, I'll go quickly. I don't want to slow you down much here today. Uh, we're, we're guilty of being buddy-buddy and not daddy-mommy. You know, I've said this before, in our world, 50's a new 40, 40's a new 30, 30's a new 20, and we just need to face it up. If you're 50, you're 50. You can do all that Botox stuff, and I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you look like a blowfish, and you look like you're 70. <laughs> yeah, I made some friends there, huh? But I'm just saying, we try so hard to be young. If you're 50, you're 50. And can I tell you something about teenagers? I was a youth pastor a long time. Teenagers love it when adults act like adults and don't try to live in their world. You're a great role model. They look and they go, man, when I get that age, that's the way I want to be. Have fun. Relate to them. Enjoy the things of life. I like riding this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the trying to be one of them. You're not. I'm not a teenager. Look, I'm not. Don't act like it. I need to be a responsible adult. And I need to role model that for my children. And I, I remember saying to my boys a lot, I'd say to them, hey, I'm not your best friend, man. I'm your dad. And sometimes I'm going to tell you stuff you don't want to hear because I'm your dad. And that's what I do. Someday you'll probably be closer friends with me if I'm your dad. Number five, we try to keep them from suffering the consequences of their own mistakes. Let them be responsible for their mistakes. Uh, I remember our son, Josh, he was a lead foot, heavy driver. Um, he drove, he still drives too fast. Shoot, Jane still won't ride with him. He's crazy when he drives still. He's 29. And I mean, you go live out in Camden. He loves Camden, New Jersey because there's no cops there. He just freedom. I mean, it's crazy. But he, uh, when he was in high school, I remember he was going to school one day, called me on the way to school. Dad, I'm like, yeah, what's up, Jack? Dad, I got pulled over doing I was speeding. I'm like, man, what, what did happen? Well, I was 45 and 25, a $100 fine, Dad. I'm like, that's crazy. He's like, um, Dad, you know my money's tight. And uh, are you going to help me pay this? I said, no. No, that's, I didn't speed. I wasn't in your car. That's yours. You got to be responsible to pay your own. Dad, you got to help me. No, slow down and you won't get that. Not kidding. Not making this up. 345, 350 calls me. Hey, Dad. I'm like, what's up, Jay? He goes, you can't believe this. <laughs> like, serious, serious, what's up? He goes, uh, I, I got pulled over. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You got pulled over going to school, and now you got pulled over. I'm laughing. You got pulled over coming home from school? Dad, it's like 120 bucks. It's 220. You got to help me. No, you got to slow down. You got to let them learn. You got to let them grow. He still remembers his two-ticket day. It's hilarious. <laughs> Number four, we're guilty of not saying I'm sorry. There are some parents in the room. You, you make your children. You, you will say I'm sorry because you are wrong. And then when you're wrong 
and it all comes out, you say things like this. Well, there was another time I was probably right. and I'd... No, you need to look at your child and say, hey, if I'm going to ask you to say sorry, then I need to say sorry too. I need to tell you I didn't handle I lost it. And your dad, your mom, we were out of control, and we're sorry. And we, will you forgive us? Say it. Some of you need to say it on the way home today. Say, hey, kids, I'm sorry. Number three, we over and under believe in them. Um, we all know what under believing your children, you know, believe in them more, you know, and let kids know you believe in them. And, and I, I just got to tell you, West Michigan here, every now and then I see people, parents who over believe in them. You are the best of these. You're the, no, there's nobody better than you. Yeah, don't, don't do that to your children. I know a parent who did that, and it kind of made me want to gag. Hey, you're the best at this and this and this and this. And I would watch them, and I would go, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, not. <laughs> and you're going to get out in the real world, and it's going to be hard. Tell your children how awesome they are. And if they have a special gift, celebrate that even among your family. But make sure they know that out in the real world, there will be other people more talented, and it's okay to clap for them. I really think we need to celebrate each other's families more than we do. Because some of y'all have a far more better family than me in many areas. Good job. Keep using that to make an impact for the kingdom. I'm proud of you. And let your kids celebrate other people too. Number two, uh, too lazy to do the legwork, know what's going on in their lives. Uh, come to the parenting workshop, parenting talk classes, because we're going to talk about how to get in touch and know where your children are on their phone. Because the amount of things that are happening on this thing will blow some of your minds. If some of you knew what your teenagers were doing on here right now, you would just freak out. And I said, come talk about it. And don't, don't be afraid to look at it. I remember, I remember with a couple of our kids, I didn't even want to know what it was, but I needed to. And then number one, I finished with this on purpose. I want you to make sure you understand that you're not a failure even sometimes when your children fail. This is, I, I talked about it last week. I want to finish with it. I want you to hear this. So I'm sitting in my house one night by myself out where I can see out moonlight, seeing it's late at night, it's in the wee hours of the morning, and I feel like a failure. Lord, I can't go speak at Ridgepoint about parenting. I I, you, you got me traveling. Lord, I lead an organization called Winning at Home. And I sit here feeling like I have failed so miserably. And here's what the Lord laid on my heart that night. Just listen. It, there were, you know, birds didn't hit the windows. Nobody crawled in the house. There weren't spirits all over the place. I just felt like the Lord spoke this into my heart. Hey, Dan. Yeah, yeah, Lord. What was my first kid's name? Uh, Adam was your first child. How'd he do, Dan? And I remember sitting there going, man, he really screwed up. He was not a good kid at all. He did some crazy stuff. And then the Lord said, have you ever blamed me for that? Have you ever read the story of Adam and thought, what did God do wrong? No, I never have thought that was God's fault. I just thought Adam made some stinking bad choices. And the Lord just laid on my heart, hey, Dan, you're not perfect. You won't do it all perfect. But your children, they get to make their own choices. And sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's their choices. I was like, wow, that's a good thought. So today I say to you as parents, you teach. You be a fearless follower of the Lord yourself. And then you leave the consequences and you leave the results 
and you leave the rest of it at the feet of the Lord. You aren't a perfect parent. You can join me on stage if you're not a perfect parent. We're together. But my prayer is you will leave here being a more effective parent because you relate and just take it up just a little bit. I'm not asking you to hit the roof. I'm saying take it up a little bit. Uh, jump on the, not really, but jump on the ripstick. Figure out a new way to do something to connect with your children, no matter their age. And let's just pray the Lord uses these little thoughts to make a difference for the kingdom. Father God, I just close this out. A little series on parenting, basic stuff. But I pray that we would practice more being like you because that's what we're ultimately after. Bless those who are watching online. Bless those who are here this morning, those out in the lobby, up at Wren's. May we all leave here desiring to take our parenting up a notch. And thank you that you are a faithful God. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. To wrap up this whole series, I would say to you, just challenge yourself as a parent to continue to grow, to continue to seek new ways. And make sure you understand you aren't a failure. Sure, you've made some mistakes. I've made plenty. You aren't a failure. You're seeking to grow in God. Even by listening to this CD, it, it shows me you care about parenting. You want to be better. We all do. So I guess I would give you a little pat on the back and say thank you for being the effective parent you are. Even with all your weaknesses and struggles, God sees your heart. And so like me, press on. Thank you again for partnering with us. We trust as you've moved into this month of May. Love the month of May. I pray you have a great time with your family. You continue to grow together and look forward to a summer of sharing some enjoyable memories. God bless you. Thank you for your support of Winning at Home.